Well, hello, everyone. I'm really delighted to welcome you all to TNC's latest Down the Wire podcast. And today's topic is an absolute cracker. Mobile procurement, there's a storm coming. I'm John Waterhouse, CEO of TNC. I'll be your host for the next 20 minutes. As I'm sure everyone joining knows, TNC is the UK's largest independent network and telecom strategy and sourcing consultancy. Support over 280 major UK and multinational organizations and help them to get the best possible commercial, technical, operation, operational and contractual results from all their network and telecom solutions. Joining us today to share his expertise is our head of consulting and lead mobile expert, Adrian Joyce. Adrian, would you like to say hello to our viewers and listeners? Yes. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. Great to have you, Adrian. Thank you. So, as promised, today's topic is super interesting, and I know it is not going to disappoint. Uh, we've got an absolute ton to cover. We're going to touch on Brexit and its impact on EU roaming. We're going to talk about 5G use cases. We're going to talk about the post-COVID mobile environment and lots in between. As Adrian put it so beautifully in the opening paragraph of his white paper on exactly this topic, over the years, mobile procurement has assumed almost a utility feel as prices were reduced, tech funds lessened, mobile devices retained for ever longer periods and coverage issues declined with improved coverage and Wi-Fi calling. Frankly, not much change from one procurement cycle to the next. However, there is a perfect storm forming that will change all the above and may mean your next mobile procurement will be the hardest and most important in a decade. It's pretty stirring words. So look, Adrian, let's get straight into it. You say there's a storm coming. Your next mobile procurement might well be your hardest and most important in a decade. So simple question, why? Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting. There's probably a culmination of factors uh, at play here, John. And I think it all comes down to, to a few basic factors that are important to all procurements. Um, that's risk, the impact cost, and the possibility of opportunities lost. Um, so the topics we're going to talk to talk about today, um, on their own, don't warrant too much um, individual attention, but put them all together. And yes, this, this is a really important period for mobile uh, procurement because you get this wrong on one or two of these factors, and uh, the, the risks, the, the opportunities lost, et cetera, just multiply. Um, so the procurements that we're running at the moment, we're seeing really contrasting deals dependent on some of those factors. So uh, yeah, we, we, you, you can't just run uh, a procurement like you did last time and perhaps miss or ignore some of these factors. You do so at your peril. So is it fair to say that this is one of those situations where looking at it optimistically there's a great deal to be done but there's a lot of risk that if you don't take these factors seriously if you don't address them effectively you could end up with a pretty awful outcome oh un un undoubtedly i think um mobile remains very competitive so uh you know we're, we're running tenders at the moment uh where we're seeing substantial savings so it's still possible but yes there are these factors creeping in um uh, that that you just need to be aware of you need to try and mitigate you need to understand and you need to uh see the differences between the um 
the tenders put on the, or the responses to RFPs put on the table and actually draw those factors out. And, and some of them would be easy to, to miss or to not understand the materiality of them, I think. So putting them all together definitely feels a lot, lot different to procurements for certainly the last three, four, five years. And, and, and the key difference being that the opportunity to, for this to go drastically wrong has increased. So it's not just, yes, there's always been upside available in mobile, prices are coming down and, and, and we'll talk about that. But, but now the, the, the downside risk has increased. If you don't put the right planning in place, if you don't have the right strategy, if you're not aware of these issues and so on, you, you, you really could end up with a, with a pretty nasty uh, end state. Yeah, and, and it's interesting actually. What just perhaps to go off a slight tangent before we get into some of the the uh, parameters that, that that we want to talk talk about today, is is the sort of average length of of the mobile deal. Um, in the past, we generally predicated on two year deals. It tended to be the refresh cycle for mobile devices. Um, but because mobile devices have become uh, so expensive, uh, you know, your top end Samsungs and Apples, several hundred pounds at, at least. Um, and because those devices are not changing as much in, in, from one iteration to another and lasting longer and people are taking better care of them, generally we're, we're seeing that uh, device estates aren't being refreshed as regularly. And, and that used to be the trigger to have a next procurement cycle, to mm. get a new tech fund in potentially to help or to pay for device refresh. And we've, we've kind of diverged from that. And some of the other factors that we're going to talk about today, um, particularly the, the uh, impact of Brexit uh, and the potential to uh, introduce EU roaming charges in the future, our advice to customers at the moment is actually to try and lock in pricing for a longer period. Mm. Now, we're not talking five-year deals. Mobile moves too fast. There's too much happening. 5G, I was going to say on the horizon, it's it's here, but it's, it's, it's still very early in the day. Um, but we are suggesting to customers perhaps to lock in for three years just to give yourself that sort, sort of security, particularly mm. when you don't have the device refresh tension uh, behind you so yeah it's it's important therefore that the other factors aren't aren't ignored well, presumably particularly because if you are locking in for longer if if you do end up with yeah. problems around how you're dealing with things like eu roaming or inflation and we'll come back to some of these points in a second you, you you've got to live with that problem for an awful lot longer um absolutely which yeah. really and compounds it, the, the the risk compound <clears throat> is, is exactly the word yeah Okay, so let's let's drill down into a few of those those topics in a bit more detail. You talked about EU roaming post Brexit. I know, I I know you're very keen to talk about inflation, and we definitely will. Um, post COVID changes, can you talk us through what what are some of these downsides, some of these risks that yeah, that, sure. that you're identifying? Yeah, so let, let's start with EU roaming uh, and Brexit. So uh, under EU regulation, there was roam like at home uh, legislation that meant that your uh, use of your device in the EU and, and a couple of other associated countries uh, was the same as your domestic use. So if you got inclusive calls, if you had an average of two gig of data or a 10 terabyte pool of data, and you're in France or Poland or wherever, your usage was the same in terms of its cost profile as your usage in the UK. 
fantastic. Fantastic for organizations that, that worked in Europe, um, but in particular, fantastic as, as consumers or uh, as enterprise users, just purely on holiday. Did you want to do a bit of work? Well, it's not going to cost anything. So in terms of, uh, of roaming. Um, so that was great. Uh, obviously, there's this thing called Brexit that happened. And uh, the result is that those regulations are no, long, are no longer enforceable against the mobile network operators. And what we've seen over the last year and a half, or perhaps a year, in the consumer space, we predicted would happen in, in the enterprise space. And we're beginning to see that. So in the consumer space, all but O2 have altered uh, or have come back with pricing uh, for EU roaming. So typically it's something like two pound a day to roam in the EU. So, I mean, it's not too bad, it's only two pound a day. Um, however, multiply that up by hundreds or thousands of users over a summer holiday period, over two weeks, that's on the assumption we're allowed to travel once again, um, you know, begins to add up. And, and this may only be the start of a slippery slope you know when does it become two pound fifty when does it become five pounds um so we were concerned that this would bleed into the enterprise space it, it's a bit bit bizarre mo mobility it's um it, it tends to be led by the consumer space and enterprise sort of catches up in in some respects um and now unfortunately um my mystic meg uh crystal ball has, has proven to be correct we are now seeing some enterprise deals coming through uh, with charging for EU uh, roaming. So we can look to mitigate that in negotiations. We can look to mitigate that in the questions that we ask in RFPs, but it's essential, one, that we do that, but two, that when you're looking at these deals, that you take that into account. You see the contrast between the, the vendor, the operator not charging you and the one that's only charging you a couple of pounds. Um, and again, understanding the impact of that. Of course, with COVID, all your recent usage data for the last year and a half doesn't reflect what you might do over the next two, three years. Again, on the assumption that we go back to our summer beach holidays, um, that could have a big impact. So again, it's it's easy to go, oh, well, we only had 500 days in Europe last year. It's only a thousand pounds. Let's not worry about it. But if that becomes 5,000 days or 10,000 days, obviously, you know, the maths uh, mm. generates a, more of a difference between one deal and the other. I think the other aspect of this very briefly is the ability in some contracts uh, for the vendor to change the pricing mid-contract. So, of course, we're always very anti that for obvious reasons. We try and keep it fixed. But there are some contracts and some smaller contracts and particularly renewals where you might not have the capability to negotiate that away. And again, that what that might mean is that you start with two pound a day, but actually it becomes three pound next year, five pound the year after. Mm. So, again, something to really, really focus the mind on. And presumably, as, 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 you, as you rightly say, partly because of COVID, your current usage profile might not uh, include so much roaming, so you might not see this. But I guess as well, because your EU roaming isn't called out in your current bill, even if you look back at a pre-COVID bill, you wouldn't see that EU roaming in there. So you wouldn't necessarily therefore identify it as an additional cost when you when you take your new tariff and model it against your 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 pre-COVID usage profile, you wouldn't see that EU roaming, so it wouldn't get pulled out. 
Yeah, it's, it's a strong possibility. Uh, for those of you foolish enough not to get our assistance with this sort of stuff, then yeah, that, that could who, who, happen. Who would make such I, a mistake? I don't know. Don't know, John. Surely not. But, no. but um, certainly when we're pulling uh, the usage together to put into a pricing template, we are focused on the difference between the EU and rest of the world uh, data. But yes, you're, you're right. And this can be compounded by the different ways that the operators, your incumbent operator, uh, presents their billing for, for roaming. So some do it into zones and you might find that there are some countries that don't quite fit into the zones that uh, a new vendor would, would present you with. So uh, trying to get that lower level country level detail is very important, not just for EU roaming, but you know, uh, for for example, if you're going off to uh, I don't know the Seychelles, Mauritius, Andorra, Saudi Arabia, sounds these, like your summer. All these top top hotspots, um, that you you can have a distinct difference from one vendor to another. So it is important to get that country level detail. So I know the next. Uh... One of the other big risks you you started to call out and uh, keen to get your views on is the the the, the creeping return of inflation. Uh, what would we call it? Automatic cost increases, sort of c coming back into contracts. Yeah. So so Talk again. About that. Yeah. Again, consumer consumer space led. So Ofcom altered their rules uh, about two years ago, roughly that allowed uh, this to happen. Um, I think that it was, I could, I could talk at length about the reasons why, et cetera. It's happened. So in the consumer space, it, it's very common, if you see any of the adverts on TV for any mobile deal to hear CPI plus 3.9%. Again, we, we feared that this would creep into the enterprise space once tested in the consumer world, get people used to it, get used to the adverts. Well. Uh, we, we've managed to do in consumer space as an MNO or as a, a mobile uh, vendor. Shall we try it in the enterprise space? And sure enough, they have, yeah. and it's creeping in. Now, it, it's not untypical to hear 3.9% plus CPI. Is CPI going to hit 4% for the whole of this year? It's certainly up at the high threes at the moment. Um, so it's quite possible that your deal today goes up by 8% next year. And then if you've locked in for a, a third year as well, in that third year, two years from now, goes up another 8%. Mm. And that can be the, a, a significant difference again between two deals that day one, deal A looks really good. But, you know, in year three of that deal, actually, you should have gone for, for vendor B, option B because they didn't have an inflationary clause. So again, it's just common sense modeling. The further aspect, and, and again, this sort of overlaps into a, a, another topic we'll talk about, is increased data usage. So data usage is only going upwards. Uh, there's some reasons we'll go into that in a moment, I'm sure, John. Um, but again, your spend today might be higher mm. in year two, year three, plus then inflation on top. There's a further compounding Jeez. of that. Yeah, so you could, I mean, you, we're talking here pretty material, you know, because when you hear, oh, going up by inflation, it's easy to say, oh, one or two percent, you know, do I care? But where you're talking about, you know, CPI plus 3.9, you, you, you're absolutely right. You easily, and, you know, hey, I mean, you may have to read any any newspaper to see 
you know, a lot of concern about inflation, interest rates potentially rising, blah, blah, blah. It's it, it's not, it, you know, you, you probably would have to do your modelling at the moment that that could mean an 8% year-on-year compounded uh, growth. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's quite a thing, number. The first thing to do is is try and not have it. You know, this is an enterprise deal. It's a big deal. I want fixed fixed pricing. Uh, don't be ridiculous with your inflation clauses. Go away, please. However, that doesn't always work. You know, it depends on the, the, the vendor, the size of the deal, et cetera, what, what other um, uh, negotiations are, are, are ongoing, what other aspects you, you, you're looking to achieve in, in a deal. But if it, yeah, if you haven't uh, negotiated that way, absolutely, you have, to, you have to factor in 8%, I think, at the moment for those sort of deals. And that, that will have a material impact. And presumably, I mean, I know one of the things we're, we're fond of saying in any procurement process is, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? So, so if, you know, if you get the the the, the uh, inflation clause taken out, you know, they the, essentially you're saying to the to to, to the service provider, you're gonna, you know, are they are, are they are they just gonna take that out and and not want to see, you know, some compensation elsewhere in the deal, etc. Is this a case that, to some extent, and we will talk about whether prices are coming down or going up, but they've sort of started. They, they've put the start bar of the negotiations eight percent higher than it used to be. So I, I, I think we're in a in a magic moment uh, for the for certainly for the next couple of months maybe, whereby inflation has is is obviously significant. It's in the news. Your gas bills are going up. Your electric's going up. Your food's gone up. Have have the mobile network operators had to put many of their costs up in terms of uh, staffing in particular? So yes, running a mobile network, maybe the electricity to do so is costing them more. But I don't think they've yet had the full impact of inflation into their cost model. Mm. So I think you're at this moment where there, there will be people in their operation going, uh, and quite quite rightly from their point of view, being prudent, we need to have inflation protection in our contracts with our customers because inflation is coming. But they're in a period where it hasn't really hit them hard yet. Therefore, you've probably got this magic period of a few months where you hopefully can negotiate it away. My fear is that inflation stays high through through the winter. You'll get to the new year, uh, possibly you know pay demands uh start hitting these vendors and they have to actually start enforcing this and they won't give it away uh in the negotiation and then you're then you're even more even more right even more correct um that um there'll be an impact to something else yeah. so yeah, yeah if you're still using a tech fund your tech fund goes down or yeah we'll we'll, we'll do away with the inflation clause but we'll have to start you at a higher rate anyway to make yeah. up for it so, because that's interesting, I, I know we're going to talk about five G, and we will get to it. But just, just very quickly, while we're on sort of deal mechanics, if you like, tech funds still alive and well, prices still coming down. You, it, it, it feels that the narrative we've been saying about mobile deals is continuing, albeit perhaps that price, you know, the the at a big picture, you know, the price of a of a gig of data, for example, that's still coming down, even if the deal mechanics get a little bit more complex around it. Is, is that a sort of fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. So, so 
the comparisons we do to previous uh, procurements still show significant savings, but those savings are being eroded by by two main things, I guess. One is the, the, the sort of inflationary clauses, whether it's EU roaming, whether it's an inflation clause itself, and two is increased usage. Um, so, you know, we can, we can, again, try not to steal from uh, uh, our future selves, John, in this, this uh, podcast, but there are reasons why data usage is going up, um, some of which is just inevitable uh, increased use of mobile devices for data consumption. Mm. So more video usage, more uh, just generally life continues uh, to be lived more on your mobile than anything else. Um, so year on year, data usage is going up. So whilst the price per gig is definitely coming down, and we're we, you know we're still seeing dramatic falls in that, people and enterprises are using more data. So mm. as the price comes down, you're actually the the probable spend uh, may may be down year on year, but maybe by year three, it's back to where it was in in year zero. I was going to say you get that kind of slight kind of U, not quite yeah. U shape, but it's not equally. You know, it doesn't just drop and stay dropped. It kind of drops and creeps back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. I'm conscious we are getting towards our, our, our time, but I, I do want to touch on 5G quickly. Um, 5G demand, but also just a kind of a view on the reality of 5G right this minute. Is, is 5G something people listening to this podcast who are facing into a mobile procurement it, you know, is 5G high on their agenda? Should it be high on their agenda? What's your What's your take on it? There's been a lot of hype, a lot of marketing, a lot of advertising, a lot of talk about 5G. We, we've discussed this hype for three, four years, I guess. Um, there are still no killer apps out there that require 5G. I think the number one use of 5G, I'm going to be bold here, is showing your colleague or friend or interested punter in the pub your speed test result you're only saying that because you've had me showing you my speed test results on the regular (laughs) and and i was literally talking to uh, a senior uh, account director at one of the mnos yesterday who told me that they just got a 5g phone and all they've done so far is a speed test and i was like this is music to my ears so look 5g is the future undoubtedly Uh, this is a a repetition of what we what we saw with 4G. The first few years, low coverage, low number of devices, low number of apps that utilize the the benefits of that that uh, generation of of uh, mo- mobile technology. But after a few years, you begin to get apps that are feature rich that require the low latency, that require the, the greater speed. But today. In short, and I know we've got other material on our, our, our website if people want to look at it in more detail. Today, there's no real ju- business justification for having a 5G device. They cost more. Coverage is very patchy. There's not much more that you can do with it other than uh, speedily download data if you happen to be in coverage. For most people, the amount of data they're consuming, they can do perfectly well on 4G or on Wi-Fi. There's no real benefit. The only real use case that I can see today, particularly for a handheld 5G device, is if you're about to step on a, a plane and want to download five hours of content quickly because you've got to do it last night when you're on your home Wi-Fi. How, how much of that is relevant to business and how much is it 
actually the sort of personal use uh, i'll leave individual organizations to discuss their <laughs> usage policy but beyond that 5g definitely has its place but i don't think it's in the handheld device obviously we're seeing some trials of campus technology using mm. 5g to flood ports and uh, universities things of that nature hospitals instead of wi-fi um or to complement wi-fi and again you know we, we go into more detail on some of our other insight material but uh i'll leave it there for now i think john that probably answers your question no that's fantastic very very interesting very well summarized so i'm very conscious we're running out of time for today's podcast so we are going to have to draw it to a close Adrian, thank you so much for providing us with your insight today. It's been really, really interesting. And I'm sure our viewers and listeners will have got a, a lot out of that and particularly uh, understanding the risk profile of what they're about to, to face into. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you everyone for listening. Please do let us know any questions you may have about this or any other network and telecoms topic. You can get in touch with us through our website, networkcollective.co.uk or any of the usual social channels. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. <laughs>